0: dealing with the bank so perhaps you're renting in a property where it is run by a body corporate understanding the basic calculation income minus expenses and you want to be left with a positive income it is a very tough game it's not easy at all
1: to stay ahead of um knowing exactly what what your clients need what what their teething issues are have a joint mid-in inspection
0: that a lot of people that are coming intersectional sectional title homeowners associations are just like you described first, not only first time homeowners, but first time owners and residents in community schemes. They get to see the perspective from the other side of the aisle. And I think that's a really important thing to do.
1: It's a market that's estimated to, to, to be transacting at at least nine billion rand per year. So it's a huge market. In order to get there, you need to be able to build up a
0: your cash flow model needs to be sharp a, a, a quote comes to mind the best time to buy a property was about 10 years ago the next best time is now Good evening and welcome to episode 77 Of the Private Property Podcast, I'm your host Uzamandowa Kumalo. This evening, we're looking, of course, at the best ways to structure our property portfolio. This has been a theme that we've carried out throughout the week. If you remember, on Monday, we were looking at buying a property into a trust. So, if you ever wondered, you know, what goes into setting up a trust, what are some of the considerations that you need to think about when you want to set up a trust? Do certainly go back to the episode that we had right here on the Private Property Podcast on Monday, Tuesday we're unpacking taxes and trying to find the best ways we can make Money or certainly build wealth using taxes, and of course, when it comes to our property portfolio, that was the conversation that we had with the game who's a tax expert and a property expert. You certainly want to make sure that you always have somebody in your team that can help you with all your things that have to do with taxes. It certainly isn't one of those things that you want to, you know, DIY, especially if you do not have the expertise. And this evening, we're staying with the theme of structuring our property portfolio, and we're looking at company versus individual how to choose the best form of property ownership and of course what you can expect this evening is to find out you know some of the pros and cons of buying a property whether it's in your individual capacity and certainly buying it into a company looking at some of the benefits of buying into a company and some of the considerations that you need to be mindful of should you look at buying a property into a company and to help us better understand how we can do this and answer some of our burning questions when it comes to buying our properties whether as individuals or certainly in a pty ltd i'm joined this evening yet again by untato Rabusha, who is the ceo of wealth creation network untato thank you so much for joining us this evening
1: thanks so much for having me zama
0: So, I mean, Tato, I think one of the, you know, the big things is we've certainly covered quite a a lot of ground, not just this week when it comes to our restructuring. We've certainly spoken quite significantly about buying, uh, you know, a property in your individual capacity. And this is, of course, uh, you know, goes to a lot of the first-time home buyers and people who are primarily looking at buying their, uh, you know, their primary residence. But different considerations often have to be made when you are buying, you know, a property for investment purposes. And this is, of course, something that a lot of viewers at home are interested in that we want to go beyond that primary primary residence and add different um, investment properties into our property portfolio. Perhaps take us through, you know, firstly, what we should be considering when we're thinking about which form of ownership, um, you know, we want to tackle before we even look at the company structure or buying as an yeah. individual. But I think at a, at a big picture level, what are some of the things that we ought to first be considering when we try to decide which form of ownership uh, to choose when we're buying various investment properties?
1: Um, yeah, thanks so much. I guess the first thing that our viewers need to consider, anyone who wants to invest in properties, is the type of ownership of property that one can have in the country. Uh, Different types of ownership have different types of benefits and disadvantages to them. For instance, the five major ways that one can own a property is one, as a natural person, this is the most common way because we apply for a bond in your name, you get it, that's fine, so anyone knows that you just apply for a bond in your name, that's fine. Now we're looking into applying for it as a company. Then for that, there are two types of companies that are currently operating in the country. It's a closed corporation and it's a PTY LTD. You can buy a property in either of them and they have certain advantages and disadvantages in, into them. And we can look into those as the time goes further. Then you can buy it into a trust which is something you have covered this week already. Then the fifth one is not so popular. It's called a share block scheme. It's similar to being bought into a company. But then for that, you have to you buy a single property with various different people. Uh, you can find it the majority of it is what is done in the RTBs program, where you have the affluent people in an affluent area buying a property for holiday. So they buy it into a share block and then what they then decide is to say Uzama will use this property from January to February and then Tata will use it March to April. So those are the five main different ways that we can buy into. For the sake of today's conversation, because the majority of this has been covered, we'll focus on the PTY and the CC, which are very, very similar and also have a bit of Uh, individual, because for for you to understand which one works best for you, you, of course, have to compare it to something. So our baseline would probably be buying it as an individual in your natural capacity. So those are the few things that people need to consider.
0: And I think then, Nsato, maybe let's go into, you know, why people would choose, uh, you know, to buy under a company, because whether it is, you know, the D or certainly the close corporation, Um, You know, why would one then consider to go that particular route? As you're saying, a lot of us are very familiar in terms of buying as an individual, you know, your natural person, you're able to just walk into a, you know, into any financial institution that has that uh, credit facility and apply for the bond. Um, The admin, we've certainly, you know, spoken about what the banks essentially look for from your credit score. To you know, assessing you, making sure that they you can actually afford it. Perhaps you know during the course of the conversation, we'll also look at what then banks look for when you buy under, um, you know, uh, when, when when you buy under a company structure, regardless of whether it's a CC or certainly a PTY. But I think the first thing is why. What would prompt somebody to to then buy their investment properties in 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 those particular, uh, in that particular form?
1: Well, I think. The most important thing that people consider when they do that is to ring-fence your assets. You buy into a company's name because a company is a legal entity, which means that if I owe anyone any money, the creditors cannot come for that property that is registered under the company. That is the major, major reason that the majority of people do it for. But the secondary one, which is also very important, is for tax deposits. We do understand that, uh, for instance, if uh, I'm, I'm on the 45% tax bracket or I'm on a 35% tax bracket and I have these three properties that are giving me money, when I get the net income from those properties and they get added into my salary, which I get from my day-to-day job, you find that it throws you two tax brackets higher and you end up not only losing the money that you made from those properties, you actually lose some of the income from your job. Imagine building a property portfolio of three houses only for your money to be eaten away by AMA taxes. So, mm. those are the two major reasons that we have to do it for one, ring fence your money, two, taxes.
0: And and, and, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, certainly from the conversation we had with the Oba gang on Tuesday, know yes. that, uh, you know, one of the big things that as property investors we certainly want to be able to do is to find legal ways to pay as little tax as possible. So when you talk about tax efficiency, it's understanding what exactly goes into how the receiver, you know, views you as an individual and finding creative and of course legal ways to structure your portfolio and certainly your entire state in the most tax efficient yeah. way as possible. So then Tato, now we know that, you know, perhaps your primary residence is certainly in your personal capacity. You know that you, you have an ambition of buying multiple properties. Perhaps now you're on your third, um, uh, you know, rental property, and you know, you want to be adding more rental properties as the years sort of progress, and you're choosing or you're going to be choosing to, you know, buy some some of the subsequent properties, perhaps in a PTY. Let's, part, let's part first look at then, what are the banks looking for um, before they even extend that line of credit? Because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, it's either they're currently doing it now, or they certainly now want to start doing it, um, you know, setting up a business via the CIPC website is fairly simple within I think of two three days you're going to have all the documents approved and uh, you know essentially you'll have a registered company so it's not a, a difficult process to to register a company um, for the most part in South Africa so people are going to after watching the show set up that company and think come next week Monday I can now go buy that first investment property using this um, company but of course we know that it, it it's slightly more admin intensive perhaps take us through some of the the banks consideration or the financial institutions considerations um, when they are assessing people especially when they are buying under a company
1: it's very difficult to get a bond uh, for the purchasing of a property through a company i guess that is why Majority of people are buying it in their individual names as a natural person because you just pull up your financial statements from the bank, your three-month pay slip, and then from there you sort it, of it gets yes or no. When it comes to a company, the key word here, and I said it earlier on, is that this company is a legal entity, which means, in the eyes of the law, the company umundu, it's a person. So That means that its financials are separate from yours, which is something that the majority of people don't think about. Just because it's your company does not mean that any financials that you have reflect on the company, which means that you need to build the financials of the company from scratch. So just imagine it once you open a company this year, it means your company is like a newborn baby. What are the odds of a newborn baby getting a bond from the bank? You are still very young. You have no credit score. You have no, there's nothing that you have. Also, what they look for is three years audited statements, which means you must have your statement uh, signed off by an auditor for three years. I mean, uh, the people that we interact with on a daily basis, you find that they've had this uh, company that they want to buy uh, a business under, However, they do not know what are the logistics in it happening. It's very tough. The only way and the easiest way it is to do it at first is people who have cash. And from our experience, those are the people who easily do it. If you have cash, you just buy the property cash and then you register it under your company's name. It makes things easier because if you buy your first property using cash, then you allow it to give you the three years of the company running to have financials, to have those statements, uh, to have your your bank records showing the monthly income coming in. Once you have that, then you can only go to the bank and say, listen, here's this company, it's making X, Y, and Z, so I'd like to buy the next property under the company's name. Also, it gets very tricky if perhaps you are getting uh, your own salary from that company as well. Now. You don't know how to, the banks are having a trouble separating the actual income of the company from yours, because you may own the company, but every month you are drawing some uh, income from it, which means from the company's point of view, because it is the company that is applying for the bond, it means that the income that you as the owner is drawing from the company, it's actually an expense when it comes to the books of the company. So it's money that goes out. So if you have any intention of buying your second property, let's say you bought the first one cash under the company's name, then make sure that the financials are up to date. Mm. Do not withdraw that much money. Ensure that it's healthy and it's proper. But for your first property, it's very tough. You just have to ensure that you, you get cash for your first one and then you can move to the next phases. Otherwise, that company must be in existence already and it must be making money from other forms of business that you are in. It was not made solely for the purpose of owning a certain building. Then your your financials are in order and you can go to the bank and then you show them. They will want six months of your bank statements which show how things are running. Uh, Also, they want that three years audited statements. Once you have those three years audited statements and they are in order, uh, then things may be a bit easier for you. However, from experience and the clients that we have, we found that instead of the bank saying, no, we don't want to give you a bond, they say yes with a pinch of salt. They just give you a high interest rate then it's up to you to say, no, this is too much for me, I can't. You find someone being given an interest rate of 18% on a house. That's crazy. Yes. So that's as good as saying no, but they're not going to put it nice and say, we don't want to give you a home run. Because remember, that three years, those requirements that I mentioned are just the minimum, the bare minimum that's required. A client of ours had his business for 10 years. He followed all these processes, submitted all statements, The bank said yes, and then they gave him 17%. Couldn't believe his eyes. So you need to make sure that you understand exactly what is happening and how you structure things. The easiest and most common way of people owning properties in companies is deriving cash, whether from your work, your bonuses, whichever legal way that you can. And then you put that uh, cash to buy a property, but you purchase it under a company just to avoid tax. Remember, tax avoidance is legal. Tax evasion is illegal.
0: Mm. And of course, uh, uh, you know, in touch, I think a lot of people, I remember, uh, you know, one of the big things that you certainly learned in accounting is around the different ways to, to evade tax as opposed to avoid tax and the various instruments that certainly a person can utilize in, in doing that. Uh, so we're going to go for a quick break. And when to come back, I actually then want us to you know, look at the, the differences uh, when one buys from a PTY LTD and also when you buy with a closed corporation. I know that we're currently you know, in South Africa, you no longer can register a closed corporation. But as we know, there's still quite a number of them that are in operation and that's very legal um, and people continue to buy some of their properties using that closed corporation and continue to conduct their daily business using that um, you know that structure and, and perhaps you want to, to certainly want to explore what the difference is depending on whether you are a whether you a have a closed corporation or perhaps you end up buying a closed corporation because you think it might be beneficial for you to run your property business using it instead of a PTY LTD. We're gonna go for a quick break and when we come back we'll still be you know looking at the different ways that we should be thinking about when it comes to structuring our property portfolios especially when it comes to you know which form of ownership we want to choose uh in structuring our property portfolio it is one of those topics that we're going to keep coming back to and relooking because there's certainly so much to always consider when we look at the forms of ownership and to trying to decide what the best form of ownership is we're going to be back just after this Good evening and welcome back to episode seventy-seven of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host Uzamantongwa Komalo. This evening we're looking at company versus individual. How to choose the best form of property ownership, and to help us better understand and make the right decision when it comes to which form of ownership we should be, uh, you know, thinking of. I'm joined this evening by Untato Rabusha who is the CEO of Wealth Creation Network. So Untato, I think one of the things is, you know, you mentioned earlier that when you look at, um, you know, company as a form of ownership, you either do it via PTY LTD or a closed corporation. Perhaps take us through the, the difference um, in which of the two you choose, and perhaps the most efficient one, um, or one that could be perhaps more efficient, and what the what the fundamental difference is if you're buying it via a closed corporation versus a PTY LTD. Yeah.
1: Um, well, a closed corporation and a PTY Ltd are both companies. So, in terms of the taxes, capital gains tax, your income tax, your transfer duties, they are all similar, whether it's a PTY or it's a closed corporation. Um, a closed corporation is what we call an older form of business ownership in the country. And you can't register one now uh, as they, they've been phased out. However, you can purchase one from uh, people who own them. And there are various forms of people who have actually purchased CCs simply for. Uh, buying properties then in terms of the fundamental differences between the two is that with a trust corporation you can have up to uh, the ownership of it is up to 10 natural people with a PTY is up to 50 and they can either be a natural person a trust uh, or another company. like the, the in terms of ownership you can have various forms of entities owning it and it's actually five times more However, the downside to a PTY is, as I've mentioned before, you need to have your audited statements. Every year, you need to get an auditor, which you must pay for with your own money, and they come and audit your books. And then afterwards, you need to submit that to the CIPC at the end of every financial year. If two year lapses and you haven't submitted that, the CIPC is going to consider your business as it's no longer operating. So basically you are running a shelf company, it will be deregistered. So you need you have those ongoing costs with the PTY. However, when it comes to a close corporation, no audited statements required. You just run your business, you do as you want, you make sure things are done in order, but whether you get audited or not, the CPC is not gonna deregister anything. So in terms of costs, in terms of the logistics, in terms of the effort of running that company, it's very much easier to run it as a closed corporation instead of a Pty Ltd, especially if you are a sole proprietor, it's just your business alone, there, there aren't many moving parts. Then you stick to CC. However, if you know that in that business, then you have factored in other trusts which have uh, shares in your business, then you have to go for a Pty. And if you need to have a lot of people. Participating in that business, then you're looking at a PTY. Remember, it's a close corporation. Ten uh, PTY, it's fifty.
0: And we've got, you know, various questions and comments from viewers at home. Sim- simply do send them through, whether you're watching us on Facebook or on YouTube or even on Twitter. We will be dealing with them. The got a comment here coming in from who says, for property stock files uh, to easily buy a property, should they register a company or a stock file and just have a stock file account? Can the stock file get a bond when they have a deposit?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, we've actually done that process uh, in a company. So the best way to do it is the stock file must register a business. And then after the Stockfell has registered a business, uh, there are different uh, people who have contributed money into the Stockfell account. So let's say that the Stockfell now has one million into the account and they are buying a property for a million rents. They will then issue shares from the company on the Stockfell members, depending on the amount that you put in. So, if someone put in 100,000 into the stock firm and a property was bought for 1 million, it means that person has 10% ownership of the property. So, they will then need to give them 10% ownership of the company. The big mistake that uh, stock fells have made is that they buy the property, that's if they have cash, they take that money from their account, then they buy the property. And then when it comes to who owns the property, They then register all the Stockwell members on the registry. So at the Deeds office, you see around 11 people owning the property, 20 people, 5%, 6%, 20%. It's a mess. Now, when you have to sell that property, and everybody is around (laughs) 20 people to sell a house, Mm -hmm. or Ntato doesn't want to sell his 10%, but the other 90 want to sell. If I don't sign, it doesn't get sold. So that's a very lovely question. I'd rather register a company and when someone wants to buy, they then sell their shares in a company that owns a property. But for that to work, it means that for every property that the stock fell owns, um, they need to register a company for it. So company A for property A, company B, the stock fell will end up having 100 companies under it. It's fine. It also makes the financials very easy. Remember, you must audit the statements. So now if you're gonna have one company owning a dozen properties, how are you gonna know what rent is for which company going where? It can be done, but it's tedious. And remember with stock fails, it's not your day-to-day job. It's usually something that you do. You have a job that you do uh, on a daily basis. So just make sure you become as efficient as you possibly can.
0: And I think the very big thing with fails is you want to get the governance rights from day one. As opposed to retrospectively do it, because I think, you know, there's quite a lot of talk about property stock files and how we're able to, you know, contribute, whether it's 2,000 or 5,000, if we're 20 and would have raised X number of millions within a year, except owning a property with 19 other people is probably something you might not want. Uh, So you almost want to rethink the type of property stock file that you want to get into. And as long as the governance makes sense, even if there are 20 other people or 30 other people, um, in the event where the governance certainly makes sense for you and you understand how the money that goes in, where it goes, how it's utilized, how you're going to get your dividends back, when you have a very intimate understanding of how that works, then you know you're it's easier for you to be comfortable with owning that uh, you know property with multiple people. Yeah. But as we've certainly echoed even from other uh, you know people who've started property stock files, it's very important for you to have a very intimate understanding of the constitution of the uh, stock file, but also what the governance structure of that particular stock file looks like. We've got a comment and um, two that are actually quite familiar here um, in Tato, when we were talking about the issue of, you know, buying that property via PTY and how admin intensive it can be, but also how sometimes it can take quite a long time if you're only going to use, for example, the financials of the, um, of the company, I've got a comment here from Obong Sabakwena who says that both standing surety for uniformed company works as well, and you know a similar thing is echoed by Howard Mugadano who says yes, a company would require um, quite a bit to purchase properties however an hour old property or even a day could purchase a property and apply for a bond the director of directors would um, in that instance stand surety for that application perhaps very briefly in title i mean we know we've certainly seen those instances right where the directors yep. or if you're the sole director you know stand surety um we are working on an episode just on surety alone kind of looking at we'll see the pros and cons the uh, Ramification, sometimes people stand surety for other people. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps take us through very briefly uh, what that would encapsulate. Because I think one of the big things that we sometimes don't think about when we think about standing surety is you might already be maxed out in your individual capacity. So you've already maybe bought um, maybe your primary residence was very expensive. So you actually can't even afford to buy additional properties in your personal capacity, or you've bought certain you know investment properties in your personal capacity in such a way that your affordability is now through the roof. You've used all the incomes and your salary, and, 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 and there's no way, really, that the banks are going to extend a line of credit to you at this moment because you're probably already overly exposed. So in instances like that, uh, perhaps standing surety might actually be quite difficult because you are already overexposed as an individual. So perhaps take us through a little bit about, you know, this concept of service standing surety when you're buying uh, property via your PTY, via um, your PTY LTD, especially, um, you know, as an individual. And let's say this is the new company and you want to stand surety for it.
1: Yeah, um, well, first of all, we need to understand that for one to stand as surety, it's very important for you to become a director of the company. So if you want someone else, let's start with a case where you have maxed out yourself in your individual capacity, and you want uh, perhaps your father or a father-in-law to stand show it to for you or your mother, anyone of your family, then you need to make them a director of your company that you want to buy uh, property in. And also on their side, their financials must be in order. They must be up to date and they should be able to afford to pay that property on their own, such that if it happens that you do not make any payments, the bank knows that we will go to Uzama and will find that money. Mm. So it's someone who is not maxed out. However, in a case where you haven't maxed out anything and it's just a matter of preference, I can afford to buy this house in my personal capacity. However, I want to do it as a company. You can then apply. And if you don't meet the minimum requirements, you can then stand as surety, as a director of your own company. Then for that, it means that they are now looking at your individual credit score. They're looking at your financials as an individual. It will probably run the same process as you applying for a bond as a natural person. Ultimately, it boils down to having a good credit score and affordability. Then you are sorted. Should be fine.
0: We've got a comment here. Um, it's actually uh, Howard who's responding to Mkateko's, um, you know, question earlier around stock files. And he says, you'd have, and and it essentially does echo what you were saying, Tato, uh, how it says you'd have to register a Ltd and ensure that the directors are in good standing with their credit scores and have them stand surety for the application. The concept of stock file will only remain how you constitute yourselves and your financial contributions. You do, however, need to be a company. And that's, of course, tips for people who are looking at setting up a property stock file uh, for the sole purpose of, you know, buying properties, whether to invest in, or to resell we've got a question here um coming in from one of our viewers on youtube who asks how about buying it in your name and then later transfer it to the company
1: great question um, with that like i said the company is a legal entity which means if i buy the company in my name as untado the the the, the property it belongs to me and If I buy it through a bond, it means the bank gave Untato a bond. So once you want to transfer it to your company and it's still in a bond, you are actually doing the same process as someone who uh, just registered a company and they are buying a property because you and the company are two legal entities. You are a natural person, it's a legal entity. So it's the same as transferring property from person A, person b however if you had bought it cash no problem you can transfer it to your company Um, but with property you must have proper planning if you are buying a property cash and you decide to put it in your name the assumption would be that you have checked uh, how it affect your taxes you have checked uh, everything that has to do with it whether it's your personal income tax whether it's your capital gains tax because those are things you need to consider, and once you've bought it in your natural capacity to transfer it over, you are going to pay those convincing fees because at the deeds office, it must show that that company is no longer Ntato's Company; it belongs to Ntato PTY Ltd.
0: Mm. And I think you know one of the things uh, that you actually mentioned is when when the when the property goes from being owned by intato to intato pty ltd you also need to factor in whether if you bought the property for example cash in your personal capacity let's say you bought it for a hundred thousand rands when you're now wanting the company to when you're transferring it to the company are you going to transfer it at the same amount um or are you going to be maybe are you deciding to sell it to your you know to title pty ltd let's say you you've you know, had it for X number of years, and you're deciding I'm going to sell it for 500,000 rands uh, so that you can free up some kind of cash flow. And let's let's suppose Intato PTY Ltd does have that 500,000 rands. The moment you then transfer it to Intato in your personal capacity, you also have to, of course, you know factor in capital gains tax um, and the other various tax implications of, of you know transferring that property. So it certainly is important um, you know title for viewers at home to do their due diligence in how yeah. a lot of these transactions are going to affect your taxes. And this is something that we have covered and we'll continue to cover quite extensively because I think even the issue of capital gains taxes like one of our you know previous guests once said that they're very interesting and smart ways to go about uh, you know, uh, capital gains tax and different ways to structure it in ways where sometimes you almost pay zero capital gains tax, even though you actually have gained quite a substantial amount of money from the sale of yes. a particular asset. So again, there, the importance is having the right people who know, you know, what the various um, implications of a sale of a property, uh, whether you gain whether you're going to be gaining any kind of capital from it and really structuring your portfolio as efficiently as possible. Tata, yeah. before I let you go this evening, you know, any final comments or tips for our viewers at home when it comes to making the right decision uh, about which, which form of ownership they should be uh, choosing when they are buying a property, whether they're doing it um, in their individual capacity, or certainly doing it as a PTY, or perhaps their stock file, and already looking at the various ways that they can go about buying property as a stock file?
1: Yeah, um, it's taxes. Uh, it's unfortunate we didn't cover much on it, but the most, uh, like I said, two points that one needs to consider is reinforcing their monies and the taxes. So let's assume you've got your property under a company and it's making money every month, you are getting rental income from it. Now, There's money in the company's account and you want it. So you don't just go there and withdraw the money and there are no consequences. There are two ways of doing it. One, you either declare dividends and you pay dividend tax on it. So um, assuming you are getting uh, 1000 and from the company as an income, that company is going to be taxed 28%. Uh, as a corporate tax. Unfortunately, if you are buying properties under a company, you don't qualify for the small business corporation tax uh, simply because your investment income is more than 20% of your total income because the company owns the whole property. So now that you want to withdraw your money, you have a thousand rents, 28% has to go to pay your taxes as a company, corporate tax. If you withdraw it as dividends, you need to pay another 20% as dividend tax, which means your effective tax rate moves to 48%. If you don't want that, you can draw a salary. If you draw a salary, it means that that income will be added to the income that you are getting from your day-to-day job which will do what we mentioned earlier on, either throw you through the next text bracket, or if you are a low earner, it won't affect you that much. If you are a high earner, it also won't affect you that much because you would have maxed out on the text that you are liable for
0: we're going to leave it there this evening and it'll certainly pick up on taxes i think taxes is one of those episodes um that or certainly one of those topics that we going to have multiple episodes on i think this week was almost an, an introductory uh you know lesson on us thinking about taxes and how they come into play as property investors because it is one of those things that when you go and think about you know venturing into property investment you typically don't think about or sometimes you don't understand the full extent of how you how SARS is going to play a role throughout your property journey. And not only when you're you know, buying the property, but essentially every single time you have that property and as you continue to get your know, various rental tenants uh, for your you know, respective properties. So understanding the different ways that taxes play a role in our uh, journey as property investors becomes so important because it's one of those things that could either cost you quite significantly because you haven't properly Uh, You know, structured your property portfolio, or certainly as we've learned earlier, you haven't structured your property portfolio in the most tax-efficient way. Or, of course, it could save you quite a significant amount of money. So much money that you're able to almost use those that same money for your property portfolio or for your property business. It certainly is one of those topics, Tato, that we'll revisit, and I'm sure we'll get you back on the show so that we can unpack how to better think through taxes when it comes to us as property investors. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, Tato.
1: Thanks for having me. Have a good evening.
0: And that is Untato Rabushaka, who is the CEO of Wealth Creation Network. As you can imagine, property investors, it is quite a, a very big week for us. This, you know, this week we've certainly been looking at different ways that we should be structuring up our, our property portfolios, and we're going to be looking at this in depth over the coming weeks. I think one of the big things around, you know, deciding whether you're going to buy as a PTY or try find somebody who's got a CC and buy their CC, or perhaps even buy in a trust, is you. almost need constant refresher because there are so many things that go into making that right decision and we want to make sure that we structure our property portfolios as efficiently as possible and then put in systems that are going to automate things as much as possible and save us money because we want to be, you know, making sure that we're chasing the right deals as opposed to dealing with the admin because we haven't made the most efficient decisions when it comes to our property portfolio. While it's a wrap from my C on the Private Property Podcast. It certainly has been a pleasure to have to be with you this evening. We'll be back again tomorrow evening from me Manto hoping that you're staying home and staying safe. Hi, I'm Nicole Interblanche, and I'm part of the SA women's hockey team. And I'm the technical director of TAX hockey. And I'm also the assistant coach for the first team. I moved to Ferry Glen about five years ago. Ferry Glen is a really safe place and the people are really kind. Some of my friends live really close by, in suburbs like Equestria and Olympus. In the morning I will wake up, make myself a cup of coffee, go for a jog in the Fairy Glen Nature Reserve, or even just in the neighborhood. It's safe, quiet,